Hello and welcome to Outrage and Optimism, a new podcast about dealing with the climate crisis and reshaping the world. My name's Tom Rivet Karnak. I'm Christiana Figueres. And I'm Paul Dickinson. Welcome to this, our first bonus episode, as we put together a response to the report that came out yesterday stating that the world's biodiversity and species are in crisis. We bring you a conversation with Jane Goodall. So yesterday, a major report was launched by an intergovernmental body under the United Nations that looked at the impact that humans are having on nature, and it is very sobering reading. A mass extinction event is now at hand, with a million animal and plant species threatened. Nature everywhere is declining at a speed that has never previously been seen under any timescale that has any meaning for humanity, and approximately 25% of species are already threatened with extinction in most animal and plant groups. Now, the rate of destruction of species is hundreds of times greater than the average over the past 10 million years. Soils are depleted as never before, plastic pollution has increased tenfold, and only 3% of the Earth's oceans are free from human pressures. Live coral reefs have halved. The reasons for all of this are very complex, but at root they are a manifestation of the human need for food and energy. Livestock for meat consumption is a massive driver, possibly the single largest. Now, the report does say that a complete transformation of how we engage with the natural world will suffice to enable us to turn away from the brink of this disaster. This will include changes to the indicators of progress that we use, moving away from GDP, looking instead at quality of life, setting aside 50% of land for nature. And if we do this, we have a shot. If we don't, then we are the generation responsible for precipitating this mass extinction spasm. Now, obviously, this should be front page news now every day for the rest of our lives, but we know that it won't be. And the failure of papers to properly cover this is a justifiable cause of outrage in itself. But chatting with Christiana and Paul yesterday, we have also been really struck by just how profoundly this has affected those people who are paying attention and who understand it. None of us asked to be part of the generation that is doing this, but here we are. And it's our job now to do what we can in the years we have to address it. So today we're bringing you a conversation that Christiana had with Jane Goodall a couple of months ago. This conversation is obviously not directly about this report, but it contains so much of Jane's spirit and how she has faced 60 years of work to preserve natural habitats against really challenging odds. She's found a way to face the reality of what she's up against and to work in a constructive way for the best outcome she can and really has achieved a huge amount. And as we all now work to identify how we're going to respond to this devastating report, we hope that this conversation can provide some insights into how we can face it and work for the best outcome we can. So just to emphasize that Outrage and Optimism comes out on a Friday, that will be a regular thing. We will occasionally do bonus episodes, but in general, look for your episodes of Outrage and Optimism on a Friday. We felt that we wanted to put this out today, number one, because of the severity and the importance of this report that came out, and number two, because there will be some of you who've heard this before. This interview went out as part of our pilot season that we did not put on regular podcast outlets. If you have heard it, apologies for that, but based on the listener numbers, we know that most of you have not. Thanks for being here. Here's the conversation. So if I may call you Dr. Jane, which is what most people 
people love to uh, love to call you. Um, Jane, you know, you have been working for over 60 years on an issue that seems to be increasingly difficult. And um, I would just really love to know how, what is your approach to life? Because some people think that these challenges are so overwhelming that we should give up or we should uh, fall into a despondent mode and mood. And you don't. You don't think that, uh, that it's a good thing to be angry or to blame, but rather you have a very different constructive approach. Can you describe that? Well, I think it, it came from all the years I spent on my own in the rainforest, uh, in, in a perfect life, everything interconnected, every little species playing its part in the tapestry of life which we call biodiversity today because we seem to like these scientific terms. I prefer <laughs> the web of life or, web of or life. the tapestry of life. and Which is both human and non-human. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So when I emerged, because I discovered what was happening, chimpanzee numbers were dropping, forests were disappearing, there was hunting, there was the live animal trade. And then on top of that, I discovered the crippling poverty of so many of the African people. Uh, living in and around chimpanzee habitat and realized, you know, if we don't help them, there's no way we can even try to save the chimpanzee. And realizing that this is all useless unless we work with young people, hoping they will become better stewards of this beautiful planet than we have been. And what gives you that confidence that young people, and in fact, even not so young people, um, will actually set their sights and their efforts and their mind toward constructing a better world? Well, what I was discovering was that there were so many young people, particularly high school, university, who seemed to have little hope for the future. Mm. And they were mostly just apathetic, well, you know, not caring, but some were deeply depressed and some were angry. Yes. And when I asked them, why do you feel this way? It was more or less the same in five continents. You've messed up our future and there's nothing we can do about it. Well, we have messed up the future of our youth. And one of the Native American chiefs said, we haven't inherited this planet from our parents. We borrowed it from our children. But actually, that's not true. We have stolen and we're still stealing. But is it too late? Were the young people right when they said there's nothing we can do about it? I firmly believe there is a window of time, and yes, the window's getting smaller, but that if we get together, uh, we we can effect change. I think one of the big problems, um, particularly with adults, actually, is that they're becoming more and more aware of the destruction of the environment and the, you know, the problems with society that we get all around the world, and it's huge. Which covers the news every day. Every day. And so... They think, well, there's nothing I can do about it, just like the kids. And so they they give up and they fall into apathy. And I think the problem is there is this saying, think globally, act locally. But it should be the other way around. Because if you think globally, you honestly don't have the energy to act locally. But if you act locally and you see, okay, we all get together, we can clean up this stream, um, And then there'll be other people further down who will continue cleaning up the stream. And then you realize, uh, well, there's people, not just us, it's all over. 
And then you understand the collective impact of small individual choices. And it's like the choices we make every day. What do we buy? What do we eat? What do we wear? Uh, How does it or has it affected the environment? Has it resulted in cruelty to animals like Mm. intensive factory farming? Is it cheap because of child slave labor somewhere else? If we start learning about this and making ethical choices, thinking not just about me now, but future generations. And so our main message is just remember every single day that you live, you make some impact on the planet. And no matter what, choose. you make the impact even just by breathing, right? It's exactly. Not, and, and you can choose yes. what kind of impact you want to yes, have. that's the main so message. Are you, so are you trying to make, especially young people, aware of the importance of that choice? I Definitely, that's the main message. And to make the right choice, you have to be educated to understand. And of course, some people find choice easier. Those are the people who are more wealthy, and it's easier to make the right choice if you're if you're very poor and we have to have to alleviate poverty around Mm. the world if we care about the future and the environment because if you're very poor in a rural area you're going to cut down the last trees of course you know that it'll cause erosion but you've got to try and grow food to stay alive yes if if you're a mother with four children and you have to feed your children the next day you will probably cut down that tree because you want to put food on the table that's right that's right and if you're in a in a urban area, poor, you're going to buy the cheapest food. You can't afford to say, did it harm the environment? Exactly. Did it hurt animals? You have to stay alive by buying the cheapest. So alleviating poverty. And I'm in the fortunate position. The fortunate part about it is, yes, I learn more about the problems. I learn more about the deforestation, the pollution of the ocean, the terrible pollution, the use of chemical pesticides and fertilizers on on the land, poisoning, really. But at the same time, I meet these incredible people who are doing amazing projects. I find places that were totally destroyed by our crazy development, 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 and give it a chance and nature can take over again. And life comes back. Animal species on the brink of extinction have been given another chance because of these amazing people who care. So let's talk about those two realities, Jane, because I think it, it very much mirrors uh, what we tend to see, those of us who are working very specifically on climate change. And I think there is one reality where you can, if you want, find a lot of evidence for things not going the way that we would want. But if you so choose, you can also find evidence for incredible progress. And so I, I would love to know, how do you bring those two realities together? How do, do you resolve that conflict? Do you let them sit side by side? Do you have a preference? You, you, I'm, I'm sure you, you are aware of both of those realities that everyone is experiencing. And some people choose to only stay in one reality and act out of a negative reality. And some choose to do the other way. How do you resolve it? Well, I resolve it by trying to be a realist, to actually learn as much as I can about what's going on. And if we take, take the oil and gas industry, if we take fracking, all these terrible things that are so harmful to the environment and very often harming human health as well. And 
then the other reality is that because of these amazing brains we have, all kinds of um, amazing technology has already been invented that we can get off the grid, we can have clean, green energy. But the problem is that money has become a god. And so you get big business influencing government, and you get governments supporting the oil and gas industry and fracking, and in a way penalizing all these efforts to create clean, green energy, because that is a threat to the big uh, corporations. And this is where corruption creeps in. So the way I get by it is by understanding the two sides, Mm -hmm. and that enables people to have a better choice. And we have to have more and more and more people prepared to go out on a limb and support the new technology. And eventually, governments will have to cave in to the will of the people, at least in democracies. Well, you know, you're you're very much picking up the spirit of um, David Attenborough, who I'm sure you, you know very well. And he was just in uh, the climate change uh, conference in Poland just a few days ago. And he raised a huge voice of alarm. And he said, if we do not do something about this impact that we're having on the planet, the very survival of the human race is actually in danger. Um, That's what the UN said with their latest climate report. Exactly, the 1.5 report. So he is is echoing that that also. And so in, in the face of that urgency, I think what we're called to do is to invite everyone to rise to their highest self and to make decisions and choices that are different. What is the best way of doing that? What is the best way of inspiring people and calling them to rise, to to use their ingenuity, to use their determination, to rise to the best of humanity? Well, it's really important for people to have hope, because if you don't have hope for a better future, then, as I said earlier, you become apathetic and you kind of give up. Mm. Uh, So helping people understand, yes, we are in a very, very dangerous moment in time. It's very dark time. It really Mm -hmm. is. Uh, And it's only if we get together and do our bit. And the problem is that most people don't feel empowered enough and they don't feel it matters what they do. The way I try and deal with it and talk to people who have lost hope is we have to go on and do our bit as hard as we can and bring in more and more people in the hope that eventually we'll have a tipping point, a critical mass of young people who who understand that, yes, we need money to live, but it goes wrong when we live for money, mm-hmm. unless we live for money to make this a better world. So now we need the wealthy people. We need the millionaires and the billionaires. And we need the big corporations to put more and more money into fighting all these problems that we have inflicted on poor old planet Earth. <laughs> and we do have to get together soon. but. What gives me hope most is the is the young people. So I, I always talk to the youth and say, you know, don't be confrontational. Don't be aggressive. Just lay out the truth calmly. But also important is to listen to the people who disagree with you because they may yeah, have tell some me, points. Tell me more about that listening to the other voice, to the other side. Well, I think it's it's desperately important. And if you if you watch two people who disagree, 
They may start off just having a discussion, but very often it will quickly become, you know, one accusing the other. And at that point, you see, they stop listening to each other because they listen a little bit to the argument, but at the same time, they're formulating how they will, how they will, um, you know, react to that and get their point across. And so it becomes almost like a shouting match, and it doesn't get you anywhere. But if you can, the alternative, listen, the alternative is to listen and maybe admit, well, I hadn't thought of that, mm. so that you immediately. Put yourself, you know, on, on more equal planes, and then hopefully they will listen in the same way. Um, if you want to change somebody's mind, you have to reach the heart. Yes, not Very battle true. the brain. You've got to somehow get into the heart, and the best way is telling stories. Plant the seed, and it may not germinate for a while, but you have to believe that in time, indeed, it reaches the sun. It reaches, and so. You know, every single person I meet potentially is somebody who can be changed if they if they need it. How wonderful, Jane! What a privilege! Thank you so so much. Well, thank you too. So, Christiana, what do you make of all of that? So, I think it is fantastic that after what sixty something years of working on. Um, an issue that is objectively losing ground because objectively we are losing the habitat for chimpanzees and we are losing numbers of chimpanzees around the world. I think it is extraordinarily that Jane Goodall can at this point in her life remain so stubbornly optimistic. And despite evidence that you can say that is objective evidence, she actually chooses to look on the bright side and is injecting so much of her time and effort to help young people to get to that optimistic, constructive attitude that is probably going to make much more of a positive impact than she did in her own individual life. Mm. I also, I was really struck by the connection between her sort of um, kind of resolute humanity and her ability to remain optimistic. And I th my, my sense was those things are connected, right? So she said at one point, um, if you want to change people's minds, you need to reach their hearts. And I think one thing that she has really perfected is that sort of persistent humanity. So um, I thought she was a wonderful human being. Optimism is lovely and lovely people attract lovely things. And it's not that complicated in the end. Love triumphs over fear and worse. That is very erudite of you, Paul. And that also feels like a wonderful place to leave it. Thank you so much for listening to this bonus episode of Outrage and Optimism. Outrage and Optimism will be out as usual on Friday. This Friday, we're taking a particular look at the UK. The last few weeks have been remarkable in the UK with the rise of civil disobedience, the declaration of a state of emergency by the UK government. We'll be digging into that and looking at what happened, what lessons we can learn from it. And we'll also be speaking with William Hague. William Hague used to be the leader of the Conservative Party and under David Cameron, he was Foreign Secretary. 
He's an interesting figure because he comes from the right of British politics. He has always supported action on climate change, but he's never really gotten behind ambitious government regulation in order to deliver what we need when we need it. So we'll be unpicking that with him and asking him whether he really thinks we can still achieve what we need to achieve with his type of approach. Now, just as Jane mentioned in this episode, listening to those that we perhaps may disagree with is essential to moving the conversation forward towards changing hearts and minds and taking collective action. This conversation will be continuing on Friday with William. Please hit the subscribe button. We'll see you then. Thanks so much for listening. See you Friday. Friday.